I am overjoyed to have this opportunity to praise and worship of the Lord with you. I invite you to wander your way to your seats. I invite you to bow your heads and join with me in a word of opening prayer. Gracious and loving God, we are so thankful for this beautiful day that you have made. We are so thankful that we get to be here in worship. We are so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross, who rose on the third day, and whose grace we can receive in this moment. And so, loving God, may this be a time where we truly know your grace. God, make this time holy time. Make this ground holy ground, whether we are here in person, whether we are joining in online, wherever we are, however this worship is happening. God, may this be at least that one hour a week that we can set aside to truly praise you, to truly worship you, to truly hear your word, to truly be transformed by your grace. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that whatever the battle that we feel like we are in, you are there right beside us. That when we feel that we are caught up in the storms of this life and we have been thrown into the fire, we are not alone. You go with us. You carry us forward. Your love and grace and strength and power goes with us. And so, God, we lift up to you those places where we feel the flames of this world looking at our heels where we feel the winds of the storm blowing upon us, where we feel like we are stuck in the battle. And God, we hand those things over to you. In particular, we lift up the family and friends of Ray Kidd, uh, who unfortunately passed away uh, this past week. We lift up Sandra and Eric and Angela and Rhonda and all others uh, who are suffering for ca from cancer. God, we pray for their healing. We lift up Ron um, as he goes back uh, to the night shift at TDCJ. We lift up Esther um, for healing for her stomach. Uh, we praise we praise God um, for Virginia's health and for the delivery of a new baby girl, Luna. God, we pray for mother and for baby. God, we give you thanks for this true miracle child that even in a storm-filled life, we can see this bright point of hope. We lift up um, uh, Alyssa, uh, who is also a new mother. Uh, we lift up uh, uh, St. James UMC, Titus UMC, and St. Paul's UMC. Uh, and we also lift up an unspoken prayer request. And so, God, we lift up the prayer requests, both spoken and unspoken. We continue also to pray for the nation of Ukraine. We continue also uh, to pray for those suffering uh, from COVID-19. We continue to pray uh, for this community. Um, but God, we also lift up our own souls to you. God, fill us again with your power, your strength. God, may we know your grace in our lives. May we know that we always have a second chance, that next chance in you to get this life right. And God, may we take that second chance, run out into the world as instruments of your peace, sharing your love with all we encounter. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Um, I invite uh, Pastor Emily um, and the children uh, to come forward for a message prepared just for them. Just you and Kaylee this morning. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so for this, I'm going to need your help. All right, so do you want to hold this one or the Kleenex? You want to hold that one? Here, do you want to hold this one? Okay, and I'm going to hold this one. I'm going to need y'all to stand up on the stage with me, and we're going to do something. Okay, are you ready? So hold them up, and then what's going to happen when you let go? A loud noise. A loud noise. Okay, let's try it. You ready? One, two, three. 
Okay, so it fell down, right? Okay, so pick it up again. Let's do it again. Are you ready? Okay, so what is going to happen if we let go? Um, we're just going to, if we, we drop it, it's going to make another loud noise. Are you sure it's going to fall, though? What, wh are you sure it's not just going to, like, float in the air right here? It's going to float. Because we just did this. Because you just did this. Okay, are you sure it's going to fall, though? Are you positive? Yes. Yes. Okay, let's, let's double check. You ready? One, two, three. Yes, lots of loud noises today. Okay, so how did you know it was going to fall? So did it, is it going to fall every time we do it? What if one time it decides it doesn't want to fall? Is it still going to fall? Because if you drop it every time, it's just going to fall. It's going to fall, right? Because gravity happens, right? And that's where it pulls it back to the earth. So how about with God? If God says that God is something, right? Like last week we learned how Jesus was resurrected, right? Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. He was alive again. How do we know that that's true every time? Because he rose from the dead. Because he did rose from the dead. Because just like every time this falls, we can trust that it's going to fall. We can trust that God is who God says God is, right? If it stayed up, God is just holding it. I guess, So if God wanted to change it and make it just stay there, God could definitely do that. We can't do that, though, right? God could do that, though. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's pray. And remember that we can always trust that God is who God says God is. Will y'all pray with me? All right, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you that we can always trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job. Our scripture reading is the gospel according to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. See, it's God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, a few weeks back, I don't know, a million years ago, earlier this month, Emily and I had the opportunity to take our youth group uh, and young adults to a, a big Christian concert festival thing. And I've been to a lot of those in my life. I came up in the ministry via Christian Rock as a sound tech. And so these kind of big Christian festivals have been a, like a real marker, something I've gone to for 20 years of my life um, that have really shaped who I am as a Christian. But we got to the part that is a part of all of the, you can, you go to enough of these festivals, you can start to chart the script of them, right? At some point, there's going to be a call for a Compassion International child. Um, at some point, they're going to ask you to buy merchandise. And nowadays, now they're going to ask you to sign up for their text message list. And at some point in the course of one of these, there's going to be the Christian rock concert version of an altar call right? Which is no longer have all the people stream forward, but is like, hey, pray this prayer. If you felt something happening in your soul, raise your hand and we're going to clap for you and make a big deal of it. And through the course of this thing, all of the checkmark things that I knew were going to happen happened, right? Um, we definitely were at, called upon to sponsor a Compassion International child. We definitely were called to sign up for like 25 different text message lists. And at some point, there in about the middle of the thing, there was a call from one of the pastors. You know, if you have found Jesus tonight, you know, raise your hand and let us celebrate you. And it was a beautiful moment when a fair number of hands went up, right? You know, this is a Christian concert, so you figure a good chunk of the people have already found Jesus and are just there to reconnect. But a few folks, good number of folks, did raise their hand, and they said something like over the course of this one tour, it was winter jam, even though we went in late March, which was definitely not winter uh, anymore. Um, you know, it's like 30,000 people had come to Christ um, as part of these concerts throughout the year, and that's awesome. But it also took me back to a place in my own life where I wondered if I belonged. Because I went to a lot of these concerts, and these church camps, and we would hit that point of the night where they would say, hey, if you pray this prayer and feel something happen, raise your hand because now you're a believer and let us celebrate you. And I would be there in the concert and I would uh, bow my head and I would pray that prayer and I would feel absolutely nothing. And I wouldn't get to raise my hand. I go another one of these things the next year, and all my friends would be freaking out and jumping up and down and having all these crazy divine experiences, which is awesome, right? And they were real, and it's real things that happen. But when you're the weird kid with depression in the midst of all of that, you do not take on the mood of the room, right? One of the functions of depression is you do not take on the mood of the room. Your mood is determined by things far more powerful than whatever is happening to other people. And so I wouldn't feel anything, but man, I wanted to get saved. And so I bow my head, I would pray that prayer, I wouldn't feel anything, and I'd go to the next ones. Rinse, wash, repeat throughout my entire teenage years. I went to church, I went to Sunday school, it's like the president of my youth group or whatever. Didn't matter. So I began to really wonder, right? Is this for me? 
do I belong here? Because in some ways, capital C church is generally designed by the people for whom the normal stuff works. Christian rock is designed by the people who can go to a Christian rock concert, take on the mood of the room, find God in that, and at some point raise their hand when the altar call came. Church camp is designed in that same way for the people who can find a God in that way, right? And I didn't. It's not that God wasn't present. I get that I'm wrong and they're right, but I couldn't connect with that. So I began to wonder, do I even belong? Is this a place that I can fit in, or am I just another one of those people who tried this church thing and gave it a real effort and it just didn't work out? Again, church is generally designed by the people for whom church worked. School's the same way, right? College especially is designed by the people for whom doing 400 pages of reading in a night is physically possible. It is not physically possible for me. Um, that's a full-time job. Um, and so I was, I did okay, but I was a terrible student. And I am not an academic anymore. I am a pastor because I came to the very firm conclusion that that is just not a place that I belong. Luckily, I did work through my feeling of not belonging. And I found my own proof along the way. But the challenge that we face as we think about relating the reality of God to others and experiencing the reality of, our, of God in our own lives, one of the challenges that we face is we tell the story of how this is supposed to happen in a really bad way. We tell the story wrong. Not the story of Jesus wrong, but the story of coming to faith wrong. And it starts actually with how we tell this story because we say that this is the story of Doubting Thomas. It is not the story of Doubting Thomas. I say this both as a person who has struggled with doubt and a person whose given name is Thomas. And so, boy, have I been called Doubting Thomas. And boy, has it lost its humor. I bet you've never been called that before. Ha, 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 ha. Sick of it. I mean, it's true. I'm sick of it. Also, it's not what this story is about. This story is not even really about him, right? This is the story of the guy who missed the memo. We tell the story this way, right? That uh, Thomas wasn't present. Um, the other disciples were. When he's told about it, he doesn't believe it. And then Jesus shows up, gives him, he needs a little more help than everybody else, right? Uh, this is like, you know, he gets the remedial Jesus, right? Everyone else got it the first time, uh, but he needed remedial Jesus. He gets the remedial Jesus. And the guy who even, God is so good that he even helps the guy who needs the remedial Jesus to find Jesus. Now, he did need help finding Jesus, and Jesus does help him find Jesus, right? 100% true. Let's not take that away. But let's not, the person who needed to learn the lesson in this was not just Thomas. It was all of the other disciples, too. Because another way to tell this story is the story of the first failed evangelism. Okay? One of the things that's happening here in John chapter 20 is Jesus is beginning the work to pass the torch from himself, to the earthly leader of the movement, 
to the disciples as the earthly leader of the movement. Jesus is going to ascend, sit at the right hand of the Lord our God. That's my right, so this is your right. Sit at the right hand of the Lord our God. God knows what it looks like on the camera. Sorry, friends. I don't know left and right anyways. And so now the disciples are going to have to lead the thing. Jesus has been doing all the talking. Jesus has been doing all the reaching, right? And now, as he says, I'm, I have pulled verses 22 through 23. I'm actually going to read 21 through 23. Jesus starts to pass the torch on to the next group of folks to begin the work of spreading the gospel. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he had breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The power that is in me is now in you. I've talked about the, one of the ways I've talked about the receiving the Holy Spirit is anyone who grew up watching Captain Planet, this is the power is yours moment, right? The power that is in me is now in you. You have the tool set that I have. I've been doing this with the Holy Spirit. Now you are doing this with the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine that they are at this point absolutely pumped. They are through the roof, right? Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And now we get to go out there and we're going to get to reach people. And we're going to like have the power of God working in us. We're going to like transform the world. It's the kid going on their first mission trip, right? It's every missionary on day one. They're just so pumped that they're going to reach so many people for Jesus. And so they, and then they realize, oh, Thomas wasn't at the meeting. We get a chance to do an evangelism. We get to reach the first person for Jesus. We, the newly empowered disciples, get to try out our stuff. And man, this one's going to be easy because Thomas was with us for most of it. He knows Jesus personally. He grew up in the church, Jewish. He grew up Jewish with the rest of us, right? He saw the miracles. If anyone's going to believe that Jesus is risen, Thomas is. And so this is going to be great. And so you can hear their excitement in verses 24 and 25 as they go about their first evangelism. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the marks and of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. You can hear them being crushed. They'd just been given the like power go and make disciples they're trying with like what they think is going to be a, like a shoe in and they're met with resistance that's how evangelism really is like sometimes and so Jesus does show up a week later and does give Thomas the proof that he needs and does chide Thomas a little bit in a loving way right I love you uh but I always wonder, when you hear the words of verse 29, that kind of chide to Thomas, I wonder, who's he really talking to? Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Well, it's certainly not Thomas, right? Thomas needed to see a little more. It's also not the other disciples 
because they also need to see more. It's just Thomas had to go to the dentist or take his kids to T-ball um, or had to run errands or that was the one day he had to go to Walmart. I have no idea why Thomas was not at the meeting where the rest of the disciples got to poke Jesus' hands and poke Jesus' side. I love both the paintings I've pulled. It's like this man literally sticking his finger into Jesus, which I will tell you is not sound medical practice. If your friend has a gaping wound in the side, whether he is Jesus or not, without a glove, do not sink your finger in that. Just don't. That's not safe. Um, you, can get you can get infected. He can get infected. Jesus had to heal himself immediately afterwards. Anyways. The other disciples got that same thing that Thomas had. And yet they don't have the patience with Thomas, who just wants the same thing that they have. And so I imagine that Jesus is looking at Thomas as he's saying this, but he's saying this loud enough that the rest of the disciples can hear him, right? Have you, Thomas, and the others believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who believe even though they have not seen me. But even for one who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, sat through the four-hour Last Supper where Jesus gives his final lecture, even he struggled to believe. So maybe, just maybe, this whole thing is way harder than we think it is, or way harder than we act like it is. That belief just doesn't necessarily come easy to everyone. It did not come easy to Thomas and the other disciples. Remember, even when Jesus said he was going to rise, like Peter denies him three times. They all scatter to the four winds. They do not do well when they watch Jesus die, even though he said he was going to, and even though he said he was going to rise. And so none of them did great with the whole believing in the face of unbelief. And so to me, this scripture is actually, in part, meant to prepare us for not a world of believers, but a world of skeptics. Who hear the word of God and go, yeah, I need something more. And the truth is, they're right. That the core of faith is having an authentic encounter with God. Whether that takes the form of being able to, you know, poke your friend in the side, I can't speak to that. It's not how it happens in our lives now. It can be a prayer. It can be a friend. It can be a worship service. It can be a small group. It can be a thousand different things. But at the core of salvation, at the core of faith, at the core of proof is having something that you recognize as an authentic encounter with God. And so if you find yourself struggling with doubt, hear the good news, friends. You're in really good company, right? Thomas gets included when you have all those paintings of like, you go to a church, there's all these paintings of the disciples, right? Um, he's one of them. He's one of the 12 headliners of the gospel. He doubted quite a bit, despite having every advantage. So maybe... This belief thing's just a little harder than we pitch it up. And for any who have doubts, you're in really good company. But I didn't know that when I was growing up. Because no one talked about it. No one talked about doubt. They talked about how you weren't supposed to doubt. They got the don't doubt but believe part that Jesus says. And Jesus can say that. He's Jesus. And Jesus probably didn't doubt about the reality of God. 
and the reality of his own suffering. He had, he didn't just watch the crucifixion, he lived it. No one ever talked about it. As I grew and as I journeyed, I learned that a lot more people struggle with doubt than are willing to talk about doubt. So this functions two ways. One is if you find yourself in that doubting place and you feel alone, you aren't. Right? A lot of people, yes, they, you know, shine their shoes, wash behind their ears, come on a Sunday morning and shake hands. And you look at all of those people as, as someone who has struggled with doubt. Right? You look at all those people and go, man, all these people believe and I don't. What's wrong with me? The truth is, it's not all of those people uh, believe. Some of those people are having those same thoughts that you have. Or some of those people had those thoughts and were able to work through them. But if we don't talk about doubt and specifically our own doubts, we are potentially closing the door from someone who might need help finding their way. So if you have doubts, welcome home. A lot of people do sometimes. And if you've ever had doubt in your life, talk about it. Be willing to share. Be willing to be vulnerable in that way. Because you don't overcome a skeptical world by going, I never had a doubt. Well, if that's true, cool. There are people out there. But there are a lot more people out there who have had doubts at some point in their life and like to cover that up because it's much easier to be the happy, smiley person in church. And so for all of us, as we seek that proof, and by proof, I mean that authentic encounter with Christ. Stay in that journey. Seek your proof. And when you found it, found it, hold on to it. And tell the story of how you found it. For me, it was in years of traveling, years of hitting the road and seeing all of the things that God was doing around the world in places I could never imagine having gone to before. That's where I found God, right? I could not find God in that rock concert as much as I wanted to. That's not what worked for me. What worked for me was seeing God transforming communities and lives around the world. So that's what works for me. And I often tell those stories because that was my proof. Right? That was my authentic encounter with God where I could sit back and go, okay, I get you now. I want this relationship in you because I can see what you are doing. That's what clicked for me. If you find yourself in that doubting place, you are not alone. You're in really good company. You've got multiple disciples on your side who also found themselves in that doubting place, and they just got, got the proof that they needed. We're going to spend the next four weeks learning about scriptures that help us find that proof. But it is about something far more than even that. That proof is finding that encounter with God. If you have not reached that place in your journey yet, hear it from one for whom it took a while. You can get there if you continue to seek it. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. You walk with us. You died for us. That you are really here in our lives today. And so God, we pray that you break down any walls that are within us. That we can see you clearly. And if those walls have already come tumbling down, God, we give you thanks. But God, I pray that you challenge us to tell the stories of our own journey. 
how we found that peace, how we found that authentic encounter with you. God, that we all may know you and know you more in our lives today. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you now to grab the hands of the people around you to form one united body in Christ who is indeed the power and presence of God's spirit that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. The proof of God's reality is out there if we only keep seeking him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.